RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we are right here in the Lawfather studio here in Lawfather headquarters. Welcome everybody who is on TikTok Live. Great to see you all. Uh, I think we actually have more listeners, Jason, on TikTok Live than we have that actually listen to the show on the podcast. So welcome everybody. So anyway, um, make sure you follow us on all of our social media and make sure you Follow and uh, check out all of the shows on Radio Influence. You can check them out on wherever you listen to podcasts or radioinfluence.com. So what I'm thinking is we'll turn this podcast into a two-part podcast because it's about uh, 3 o'clock here on uh, Monday, February 14th. And what's going on right now in this Curtis Reeves trial, and I'll explain what this is because this thing started like seven years ago, I believe. Okay. Somewhere along those, those lines. Uh, it's been a long, long time that this has been going on and the prosecution has started their opening statement. So I want to break that down a little bit. The defense will go, but being that that's happening live and this show, uh, is happening right at the same time as opening statements. Uh, I I've listened to the, the state's opening statement or at least a good bit of it. And then the defense will go. So we'll break down the defense on the next podcast. Okay. So I'll take a look at that and break that down. But Here's what the Curtis Reeves trial is all about. It's the movie theater shoot, movie theater shooting. So those of you who are from the Tampa Bay area, and like I said, I would assume that this was national news, that the Curtis Reeves trial is that he was uh, about 71, 72 years old at the time that this happened. He's around 79 right now today as, as we sit here as he starts his first day of trial. And... He's in a movie theater, he's with his wife, and there's another gentleman in the row in front of him and to the side. They get in an argument over a cell phone being on, okay? I don't believe and believe the movie had started yet. I believe we we're in previews, okay? So think about this. I know we've all had COVID in between all of this, and movie theaters were shut down for a long time, and, and so we may not remember what the inside of a movie theater looks like, but it's usually pretty dark, and you know, there's a big projector in a screen and usually you know if someone's on their cell phone you can see it but they run these things called previews okay and i'm making a little bit light of it but you know they, they run the previews and and look does anybody really care if someone's on their phone during the previews i don't i mean look those of you on on tiktok live love to hear from you if uh you really care if someone's on their phone during the previews of a of a movie right so anyway they're, they're going through, and um, I'm going to get into a little bit more details of how it happened because it has to do with the prosecution's opening statement, okay? Long story short, they get in a verbal argument, and Curtis Reeves shoots and kills the guy in front of him who was, uh, you know, about uh, middle age, so mid-30s, late-40s, somewhere in, in that range, okay? Uh, I believe he was with his wife. I believe he has, uh, had a kid or, or at least one kid, so... That's what we're talking about, right? And I do see, you know, that a couple of the responses on TikTok is that, no, you know, we're not bothered by someone being on their phone during previews, right? Um, God, those of us who are old enough to remember, Jason probably remembers back in the day, not that we ever watched bootleg videos back in the day, but someone would take a video camera, not a phone, an actual video camera, and you could buy videos and you'd have people standing up and you'd get the whole video experience, the whole theater experience 
at your house, okay? But anyway, we digress. So Curtis Reeves is there, and somewhere along the line, popcorn gets thrown, and Curtis Reeves, a retired, uh, I believe it was was with Tampa Police Department, he was a reta- retired police captain, shoots and kills the guy that was sitting in front of him, okay? That's the short version of it. He is then charged with second-degree murder, okay? So let's look at that real quick. Second-degree murder, why second-degree murder? Why not first-degree murder, right? Because, God, it seems kind of heinous, right? You're sitting there in a movie theater, and you get shot and killed. That, that's got to be, ooh, that's got to be the worst thing, right? We, we got to go first-degree, right? First is the highest, then second, then third. Well, it's second-degree because it happened kind of in the moment, right? So if you think about it, in order for murder to be first-degree murder, you have to have what's called malice aforethought. You really had to go, and, and I, I see here, wasn't planned, heat of the moment, and, and I'm reading right from TikTok, and yes, that, that's essentially what it is, right? So in the heat of the moment, right then, you didn't really come up with a plan, okay? Makes it second-degree murder. First-degree murder is you've come up with a plan. You've had this, what the law calls malice aforethought, and which just basically means you put some thought process into it and then you killed the person, okay? Now, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out. You sat home at your desk, you took out your journal and you wrote out exactly how you were going to do it and then a week later, after you've worked on that plan for a week, you go and do it, okay? That would be extremely sinister and probably the stuff of uh, movies. But anyway, you can have it happen quickly, right? You can develop that malice of forethought very quickly, but th- there has to be that, that thought process with it. So heat of the moment, that's why we have second degree murder charge here with the Curtis Reeves trial. So what we have today is opening statements. Now what's happened all the time in between, let's look at what's happened all the time in between to where we get to with where we are today. All right. First off, why did it take so long to get here? All right. Number one reason is stand your ground. All right. So the Curtis Reeves defense started with a stand your ground motion. It's actually technically titled a motion for immunity. All right. Uh, I've argued these motions. I've written these motions. They're um, not to make light of, of a bad situation here. Okay. And, and keep in mind that the, the legal world and, and working on the legal process is far different than real life. Okay. And just in terms of the events that happened. I find these motions for immunity and these stand your ground motions extremely fun to work on, extremely fun to argue, right? Because it's just, it's very fact intensive. It's very much, you got to be on your A game and you have to just be willing to, to really dive deep into a case and go, God, this is really exciting. I want to go do this, right? Um, so I love those. I, I, I really, truly do. And, and like I said, I've written them. I've argued them. So I have a really deep understanding of what those motions for immunity are, right? And, and, that, and that motion for immunity is your stand your ground motion. So why did this take so long? Because normally you write a motion out, right? And, and those of you maybe have saw, I kind of wrote it like I'm writing with a pencil, but no one writes with a pencil anymore. We type out these motions and we file them and then we have them heard in court. Why was this one so different? Well, here's the thing. Florida law changed in between time. While this trial was going on, Florida law changed stand your ground. And and I actually had a case that we actually were following the appellate decisions on this particular shooting case because 
what we were sat, what we were, what we were stuck with, right? Both in my situation and this situation was you had an incident that happened prior to the change of the law and a motion that was happening after the change of the law. And the law actually didn't specify when these things would take place. So, or, or, or when, when this law would take effect versus the previous law. So you were left with court interpretation of which law we were going to use. Now, here was the thing. The law didn't wholeheartedly change, okay? One small, small piece to it changed, or at least in my experience, it was just one small piece that that changed. There, there may be deeper, deeper changes to it, right? But in terms of for these particular types of incidents, there was one one change. It was a major change. It was one small change, but it was huge, right? I know, contradictory, right? So here we go. What Sandra Ground says, if you are lawfully in a place you're allowed to be and you are in fear, you are allowed to defend yourself, okay? That is essentially what it means. Now, it has a subsection that talks about that if you are in fear of grave bodily injury or harm or death to you or another, you can use deadly force. Okay, so essentially you can match force with force. If you feel like you uh, have uh, that the other person is going to kill you or severely hurt you or somebody that you're with, you can defend them, understand your ground, right? And I keep hearing that it's a controversial law. Okay, great. The only difference really between stand your ground and some other forms of self-defense are that in stand your ground, and, and the reason why that motion for immunity is called stand your ground all right, is because you can literally stand your ground. You do not have to retreat, right? A lot of other places have this duty to retreat. You must retreat before using deadly force, okay? In Florida, you can stay right where you are and you can use deadly force, but you can only use deadly force if the force used against you or threatened to be used against you is also deadly force, which also includes great bodily harm. All right, so that's what stand your ground is. Now, now, why did this case take so long? And what was this big change? Here's what it was. Before the change, it was up to the defendant, the, 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 what we call the burden, right? And the burden is what shows and, and, and who has to prove the case, right? So in a motion, who has to prove what the motion is, right? So originally the burden, who had to prove everything, was on the defense, right? The, the person who was claiming stand your ground had to prove that they were defending themselves, okay? That, that new state law, when they changed, when the legislature changed stand your ground, what they did was this. They simply changed the burden. They shifted that burden of proof. Who has to prove that self-defense was happening? Moved over to the state, okay? And, and basically, they made, it, they made it the inverse, right? So if, if by the, the, the skinniest of threads, right, the defense could show on its face that the defendant was acting in self-defense, then the state has to prove that the person was not acting in self-defense, okay? And I've actually filed another one of these recently in the past month or so, on a much, much, much less grave type of case, okay? One where truly 
Nobody was hurt, right? But there it was. And I, I was, I'm able to do it because I can go, well, look, all I have to show is that by the skinniest of threads, my client was acting in self-defense. I kick it over to the state, and now the state has to prove that my client was not acting in self-defense, okay? And look, that worked its way through the appellate process, and that's why it took so long for this case to get where it is now. Typically, these criminal cases don't take seven years, seven, eight years to get to where uh, where we are today, which is opening statements, which, so jury selection already happened. Today is Monday, so it clearly didn't happen today. Um, there was a big jury pool. Uh, generally speaking, you don't want jurors who know a lot about the incident, right? Most times that's not a problem. This one was pretty high profile, so I can imagine they went through a lot of jurors before they found enough jurors that w- could could actually rule fairly and didn't have a lot of information on this particular case. All right. So let's look at the opening statements. What what is that? Right? Because yeah, it's great. Right? We see it on TV. Uh, you know, look. Law and Order, and those of you who watched the Super Bowl last night, apparently Law and Order, the original is coming back, which is kind of exciting. I'm not really big on lawyer and cop shows, being that I was a cop and now I'm a lawyer, right? Um, they're usually not really real. I uh, do like Law and Order, though, okay? But be that as it may, right, 30 minutes for the cops to investigate a case, 30 minutes for the lawyers to prosecute a case. Um, yeah, no, that's not happening in real life like that in any stretch of the imagination, Um, I, like I had mentioned in the beginning, I had to leave watching the opening statement for the state attorney, for the prosecution to start the podcast. Okay. We were probably 15 minutes in to the opening statement and he probably had at least another 15, probably 30 minutes more to go for his opening statement. Okay. So those of you who think we can get through jury selection, opening statement, witnesses, uh, cross-examining witnesses, judgments of acquittal motions and closings and the jury reaching a decision all in 30 minutes. Oh, and oh, by the way, commercials in between. So maybe more like 26, 27 minutes. Um, yeah, not happening in real life. Just not. Okay. Um, so, you know, the, the opening statement is probably, is probably going to be about 30 to 45 minutes. And here's what it is. The opening statement is essentially your roadmap. And, and, and the theory goes like this right? You tell them what you're going to tell them, right? So, so this is, let me take a step back. This is when, when lawyers read about how best to give an opening statement, right? And how best to proceed in a trial, you tell them what you're going to tell them. That's your opening statement. You tell them, right? Those are your witnesses. And you tell them what you told them. Closing statement. See, Really nice, neat, and succinct. We can fit that in 26 minutes. Just watch Law & Order. We have it all right there. Boom, wrapped right up. But anyway, so we're in the part of we're telling them what we're going to tell them. And so if you watch the opening statement for the state, you go, man, Curtis Reeves, he's guilty. Got to be guilty because listen to all this. Now, what's going to be interesting is those of you who those three of you who watch and listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you'll get the state opening today. Then we're going to look at the defense. And if you try to watch, listen to those two, those two shows back to back, I'd be interested to hear. Okay. And you can always hit me up on, on any of the social media platforms. Be interested to hear if, you know, what people thought as they listened to one breakdown versus the other breakdown, right? 
because sure enough, you watch that prosecution, you're going to go, man, he's guilty, right? Now, look, you got to listen to what the evidence says, but what they stated over and over, this is what the evidence is going to show. The evidence is going to show you that Reeves, who is the defendant, was in the back row in the middle of the movie theater. The victim was a row in front of him and one seat over. Okay. So look, this guy's in his 70s. The victim's in his 30s to 40s. All right. So are we really, you know, what are, what are our initial thoughts, right? Are we initially thinking, hey, you know what? If you're in your 70s, you should be, you know, more afraid of somebody that's essentially middle-aged, right? Does that make that person more dangerous to you? I suppose maybe, right? And when we're looking at at, at a self-defense type of defense, because, hey, look, the defense lost their stand-your-ground motions, their motions for immunity, right? That's why we're here at trial. If they had won them, this would be over, right? He would be immune from prosecution, hence the motion for immunity. So what we have here is we got to look at the reasonable person, right? Because this is going to come down to self-defense, whether or not Reeves was defending himself. And, and we have this quote-unquote reasonable person. Now, what is a reasonable person? I don't know. There is no actual dictionary definition of what a reasonable person is. It's just something the law has created to go and show, okay, this is this is what it is, right? And, and it becomes what we call a jury question, meaning that there's not a real, hey, this is what a reasonable person is, but you put enough people together, you can figure out what a reasonable person really is. So is it reasonable for a 70 year old to be afraid of a 30 to 40 year old. Right. And so as the state is going through their opening statement, they're really trying to break down that barrier. They're really trying to go and and doing a great job of it, I must say. Right. And without really saying that's what they're trying to do. Right. Hey, he didn't have a disabled placard in his car. He was parked 133 yards away from the entrance of the movie theater. He didn't use a walker those types of things, right? Trying to show, hey, here is a person that is in good health, right? He had to navigate his way out of the row to then walk out down the aisle and outside. And they have video of all, most of this happens on video, okay? They showed uh, the video of the inside of the theater during the opening. Um, it was kind of brutal to watch because it was it was silent. Um, and they actually had a lot of time where there was nobody in the theater. I don't really know what the state's thought process was on showing an empty theater for an extended period of time to the point where I kept switching back through a couple different broadcasts thinking that it had frozen or the broadcast that I was watching just was broken. Um, turned out they were literally just showing silent inside of a movie theater with no seats in it or nobody in the seats, just seats. So they paint that picture. They, they paint this picture of Reeves as an abled body man. Okay. And look, that that's clearly legitimate, right? I mean, that's, that's what you want to do. If you're the state, you want to show that this person didn't have a need to pull a gun in self-defense, pull a gun in self-defense when there's a, a person that's in front of you. Right. And, and not that they're on, on even ground in front of you. Right. They're on. So think about the way a movie theater set up, right? It's, it's a, um, essentially a big ramp right? Or even some of them may be step downs like you would see in a stadium, right? In a sports stadium where you literally step up and over and you have this seat in between. So in order for the victim to get to Reeves, he's got to come over the back of a seat 
and get over into a row higher than him, right? It takes a little bit of time and effort, right? So, and that's the picture that the state's painting. That Hey, and the state did. They, they set up what the movie theater looked like. They set up, hey, Reeves was sitting in the back row in the middle. The victim was sitting in the row directly in front of him, a seat over, right? They're setting that scene. They want you as the jury person to sit there and go, all right, I can picture this in my head. And that's what you want to do. You want to paint this picture of what's going on, right? Where the preview, the, the, you're going to hear from witnesses and you're going to hear these descriptions on what the lighting was. Hey, just know that this lighting that they're talking about, you know, it wasn't full house lights, but you could see some, you know, it, it may have been dim enough that you needed to, to use your cell phone light, uh, your flashlight on your cell phone to see a little bit better, but it wasn't all the way dark. It wasn't dark like the movie was on because the movie wasn't on. So, and it's been a little bit of time before a lot of us, since a lot of us have been in a movie theater, but think back, right? Before the movie starts, there's decent amount of light, right? Then the previews come on and there's a little less light, right? And then the movie comes on and there's even less and then the movie go, is over with, right? All the credits, boom, boom, done. Lights come all the way up, right? So those are kind of your different stages. And what the state's showing is, look, it wasn't all the way dark. He could see some, right? And there were people in the theater. And, and you're going to hear from witnesses. And the witnesses are going to say this. And, and you hear that over and over and over again. And that's the point of an opening statement. The point of an opening statement is to set it up that you're going to hear this. You're going to hear that that the uh that that uh the victim was on his cell phone matter of fact you know you're gonna hear testimony that hey the, the victim was on facebook then he was on a website then he was some then he was on something else and, and there's there's no denying that and i don't think in any any way shape or form in anything i've ever read about this case that there's been a denial that this guy was on his cell phone right but is that a reason to be shot? And, and that's where the state's going with this, right? That's where the state's going with this opening. And, and they, they go and they, they explain, look, Reeves left his seat, went down the aisle, went out and talked to the manager. And you can look at his mannerisms as he's talking to the manager about this whole thing, right? There's no audio. So you're left with this nonverbal communication. I know the, the same thing that we've really kind of lost with COVID and masks is this ability to have nonverbal communication, at least with seeing somebody's face, right? But you can see the demonstrative efforts in in his communication with the manager at the movie theater, right? So think about it like this. You have this person who you're supposedly so frustrated with and, and, and you're having this altercation with. You leave and you come back and the state does bring that up. Reeves left the situation and brought himself then back into the situation, right? This is all before any shots are fired, right? So... You're telling me you're so scared of this guy that you leave and come back, right? And that's the point that they're heading towards with it is, wow, how scared could you really have been? You left and came back, right? And then started up the conversation again, right? And, and before he leaves, actually, the first time the state gets into that Reeves actually leans over, right? And is like face to ear now think about this so so let me let me paint the picture right reeves is behind the victim sitting in a row behind so he has to lean forward and lean over and and, and those of you who are 
listening on the podcast can't see. I'm actually like leaning over on the microphone as if I'm actually talking in this guy's ear. I don't know. I need the visual. But anyway, he leans over and he's next to this guy's ear as he's asking him to turn his cell phone off or to stop playing on his cell phone or whatever the case may be. Okay. Um, so he's moving in that close. So you're talking about someone who's saying, hey, I was so scared for my life that I had to shoot somebody. But yet I'm leaning in and I'm like my mouth to his ear. Okay. Now Reeves claims, and, and this, look, you want to come and you want to put your, some of the, the stuff that you think is going to be bad for you, right? You want to put it right there, right out there in the forefront. So state goes, Hey, well, look, Reeves is claiming he's got arthritis in his knees and a bad back and, and, you know, other ailments like that. And that's where they come into, that's why they know, well, he parked 133 yards away from the movie theater. He doesn't have a handicap placard. His wife doesn't have a handicap placard. Look, we have on video, he walked right up into the theater, no problem, doesn't use a walker, doesn't use a cane, walks out, talks to the manager, very demonstrative in his actions as he's talking to the manager, walks back, right? Does that look like somebody who is not at least in in decent physical shape for somebody in their 70s, right? Sure, right? So you want to get out in front of that. You want to say, hey, look, I know the defense is going to say this, but I want to say it first. Because I want to be able to go, hey, look, yeah, that's what they're going to say. That's actually what he said, but here's why that's wrong, right? Very powerful when you do that. You really take that away from them. And and I think in this instance, all of a sudden you start chipping at this guy's credibility. And in a case like this, all Reeves has is his credibility. Because, look, there's there's no evidence that shows that it wasn't Reeves who shot the victim. Not, Not one bit of evidence, right? So we're dealing with what was in the mindset of Curtis Reeves at the time of the shooting. That's what we have. And the state thus far has done a great job of painting that picture. Okay. Painting that picture of what happened, how it happened, and why Reeves really wasn't that concerned for his own safety, right? Or why his, why his apparent concern for his safety was unreasonable. Okay. Yes, the guy had a cell phone. He didn't have a gun on him. There's actually not even any indication that the guy swung at him, right? Look, I think if if you had evidence that this guy swung at Reeves, okay, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay? And I think it's still a little bit of a stretch. But due to his age, and look, the reality is, is that, you know, a, a single punch can knock somebody out, right? It doesn't matter how old you are and how old the other person is. That's just a reality of physics and biomechanics. It just is. Okay. But we don't have any indication of that. And plus, the guy's a row away from him, a little bit lower than him, right? The, the victim's a little bit lower than, than, the, than uh, the defendant Reeves. Okay. So think about that. But that's what the state's painting. The state's painting the picture of what the witnesses are going to say and that... The theater was dark, but it wasn't too dark. That that Reeves kind of started it. Reeves leaves the situation. Reeves comes back into the situation. And then the shooting happens. Okay? So that is the breakdown on the state's opening on the Curtis Reeves trial. Uh, stay tuned. Let's look to do a breakdown on the defense opening. And uh, maybe, maybe track this trial a little bit. Should be uh, definitely an interesting one. Uh, I've actually um, been in hearings where uh, 
the defense's uh, the defense attorney uh, has been in decent guy. Uh, don't don't know him really well personally. I don't I don't even think I've ever been introduced to him. Uh, but Dino Michaels is the defense attorney, and uh, you know, bald head always wears a bow tie. That's what that's what really stands out. Guys always in a bow tie. But uh, anyway, uh, everything I've always heard has been really positive. So um, you know, from a lawyer stand from a lawyer's point of view, you know. Good luck to them. Good luck to the state. And uh, let's break this down on the next show. Law Father, 